Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up and coming brands, anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. This week's podcast is sponsored by Hiker Hunger Outfitters. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is a company founded by hikers who take pride in creating outdoor gear made for movement. With over 80,000 happy customers, their products are designed with you in mind and they truly care about your experience with their company. Whether you're a hiker, camper, walker, explorer, or weekend adventurer, their products are made for all types of people that care about getting fresh air and staying active. Their most popular products are the two models of trekking poles, carbon fiber for those looking for a lightweight option and aluminum for tougher terrain. Check out either of these models if you've been in the market for walking sticks. Just read the reviews to get an idea of the benefit they provide and how they've impacted the customers in a positive way. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is all about community and offering high quality products that are accessible and useful to anyone looking to continue exploring, no matter what age or how active you are. Visit HikerHungerOutfitters.com to see all of their products or call 877-700-7227 to speak with Cindy, their go-to customer service rock star. You could even text Emily, who happens to be one of the co-founders, at 413-627-1004. She's one of the friendliest people you'll talk to and she loves meeting new people. As an added bonus, Hiker Hunger Outfitters is offering a discount for first-time buyers. At checkout, just type in the code NEWGEAR15 and you'll get 15% off your purchase. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of Survivor Filter, uh, Mark Zakabe. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks, Josh. All right, so for the listener that may not be familiar with Survivor Filter, how would you best describe your brand to them? Uh, well, um, we focus on providing solutions to access clean water, uh, in any outdoor situation or emergency situation or travel situation. And we're always looking at, uh, being innovators, uh, in this market and coming up with new ways to sort of meet people's demands, uh, for clean water. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get to the point um, where you wanted to start Survivor Filter? Yeah, so I um, I actually don't come from a, a business background. I, I, I went a, a very different road. Um, so I was in academia before, and then I, uh, I used to work for uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization in, uh, in Brussels. And uh, I, I was always looking to do more peacekeeping, um, sort of uh, international relations type work. And uh, I came into NATO as sort of a, a Middle East uh, policy guy. 
but I worked on the Balkans as well and uh, North Africa. And I got to see things uh, pretty directly and, um, and understand sort of security issues. And, um, you know, it became pretty clear uh, as a historian as well that water scarcity is uh, probably the biggest crisis that nobody talks about, uh, especially in the context of climate change. In the 21st century, that actually, I think, uh, is driving a lot of um, global conflict, insecurity. Um, water is, is hugely important and, you know, really not talked about enough uh, in terms of uh, peace and stability. So, you know, I came back to Canada a number of years ago um, and uh, I thought, well, there's stuff out there, but there's there's nobody really looking at this uh, creatively. Um, the, the, the ability to provide uh, water solutions uh, for people in all environments, uh, I think was really lacking out there. So, you know, I sort of jumped into it slowly and uh, sort of started uh, studying e-commerce and uh, building from the ground up. Um, sort of bootstrapping uh, our business and and uh, doing my own uh, digital design and then, you know, scaling and bringing more people on board who can get behind the vision of what we were trying to do and developing more products to the point now where we're uh, solely focused on developing newer, more innovative products uh, going forward. Did you have any experience uh, building water filtration systems or did you kind of just figure it out? So, you know, I, uh, I come from, like I said, the sort of academic background, but I'm a big believer in learning through uh, doing. Uh, I think you learn a lot more than something you can sort of just study. And I didn't actually, I did actually have some experience. Uh, years ago, I worked for a company or worked with a company uh, in Germany that was developing technology to use, um, I guess it's called analyte water it's uh basically electrified water uh to disinfect uh, water piping systems so all natural and that was sort of my first uh foray into like the water filter market uh, even before this and like because i knew when i came back that, that water was basically what i wanted to get into i saw this as as being a, a business of the future um, but once I got into water filtration, I kind of had an idea in terms of, uh, disinfecting. Um, and then I sort of built up from there, learning step by step and learning and studying from people who, you know, sort of specialized in this, uh, a lot more than I did. So what would, what would you say really differentiates, um, survivor filter from other sort of filtration brands that exist out there? Uh, innovation. Uh, I think a lot of people um, come at the market with, oh, we can make this and make money on it. Where Survivor Filter, we're at a point right now where we get to make what, we've, uh, what we would actually want to use. And, uh, you know, um, I think the best example of that is our portable electric system. Uh, we just thought, you know, we know what the pain points are uh, in terms of, if you're really a, a hardcore enthusiast and you're out there and you want something that's going to provide you what you need really fast and automated, um, that's where our electric system sort of blows everyone else out of the water. Um, and, you know, because we're enthusiasts, 
And because we listen to our customers more than other people, uh, so if you were to call into our company, you get me or one of my staff, I'm always answering the phone. I like doing that. I like talking to customers who could provide me with feedback. So uh, like our most popular product is our, our pump filter, and that's gone through numerous revisions over the years based solely on feedback from our customers, what they told us to do. Like we put in a hose clip, it's something very small that I wouldn't even thought about it, but our customers said, you know, if you can get a hose clip to help us attach to things. Uh, we changed up our pre-filter years ago uh, with a better technology because customers had said, you know, here's where you can improve on this. And so I think we listen really well uh, to customers and we try everything else uh, ourselves. We actually go out there, uh, you know, and, and test everything ourselves and probably spend a lot longer on development. We're not just trying to rush things to the market to make a buck. Uh, for us, it's really about, you know, having staying power for our brand. And if we're going to put something with our name on it, uh, we want to have integrity behind it. That's interesting. Can you, can you elaborate a sort of the electric water filter? How, what, how is it unique and uh, how, how really does it work? So, I mean, our pump system was probably our most popular system, our manual pump. We took the same filters on that technology and we governed it uh, so that the, the flow rate on the electric wouldn't go faster than our manual pump. And we did that so that we know exactly we could take the exact same filters and make them electric, uh, make the system electric and not have to worry about uh, any issues of bypassing the filter. Any, so we know exactly what, what's already worked for years in the market. Uh, let's just take that and innovate a little bit uh, from our old product and bring it into a portable system. And, um, you know, there, I've heard of other stuff out there, but they're quite heavy they're, a, uh, that do this kind of thing. It probably takes about a suitcase, whereas our portable system is, is about a pound. We spent three years from the point of dis, uh, developing the product, like after we, de we developed it, we spent three years before release because it took us about seven or eight generations of the product and, and sending it out actually to customers and our influencers and even ourselves to find out what all the flaws were. We figured if we were going to release this thing, it should really be well thought out. So there are, I've, I've heard there are other systems that have attempted to do this. But there's nothing as lightweight, portable, and compact as our electric system um, that you could literally just press a button and hold it in your hand. It's maybe a pound, a pound and a half, and and it'll completely filter out water from a, sort of any natural environment. That's so interesting. Now, let's talk about um, sort of the beginning or I guess the stages after launching. You start the company in, in 2014. I imagine it took some time to prototype the products um, once you had sort of your initial offering, what did you do from there? How did you grow the business, build uh, sort of a customer base? Yeah, so we, um, we just listened to feedback really early. Um, and, you know, we started out with, uh, you know, one product and tried to add uh, configurations to it. And then brought in more and more and more. Um, but we also, from the beginning, offered a lifetime warranty. And we backed everything up for a number of reasons. First of all, to give people the peace of mind. But second of all, 
when people call in and tell us what the problems are, it helps us. Uh, we, we took a open-minded approach to the way we operate our business. Um, criticism is good as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you need to be told when you're doing something wrong. Uh, how else are you going to improve? There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. And all businesses make mistakes, but not a lot of businesses sort of learn from their customers. And because we learn from our customers and our customers really became the, the people to you know, promote us because they said, here's a company that's listening to us, that understands you know, what they do and is always trying to make it better. And I think that's uh, sort of how we were able to build ourselves up. Over time, uh, as we brought more people in, we tried to reinforce this point. Listen to the customer. Not just tell them what they want to hear, but actually listen to them because people are using this every day. These are your product testers. So we looked at our customers as an extension of our team, you know, whether they were happy or not happy. I mean, we're never going to please everyone, but we're always trying to learn and sort of get as much uh, data on what's working, what isn't, and how can we improve. It's a really smart way to, to operate a business and really learn as you go forward. And I'm sure that sort of helped you develop new products after that first launch. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, it's still helping us today. And, um, you know, um, six years in, I have a better sense of what the market really wants, but I also have a sense of what's possible to make. And every year there's, there's more and more tech coming out in terms of, uh, things you can make. And, and we're working on stuff right now, uh, that we're making in the U S that's, um, that I think is really going to sort of change the game. Um, you know, and I, I would say that if it hadn't been for the thousands of customers we've talked to and given us all this feedback, we probably wouldn't even come up with these ideas. So I would say that most of our business is really grown from our customers. We, as an extension of, of, of us. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now let's, let's talk about, since A, you, you run a company in the outdoor space and B, it's a manufacturing-based business, how do you keep sustainability sort of front and center as you guys grow? Right. So, I mean, you know, right now, um, we try to manufacture products. Uh, the big thing when we came into this industry is there were a lot of products in the market that were had a similar, similar functionality. But what they were failing on is they were sort of one-time use products, products that couldn't be reused. So while they did, you know, replace water bottles, which is great, they were, they were also, you were tossing these products out after two or three times and, and being forced to buy new ones. And so the way we develop our systems are trying to make sure that we make products that can be constantly reused or require minimum changing of the filters. Um, and so that you're not tossing away as much. The other thing is, you know, um, we're moving to onshoring uh, and we're making more and more products in the U.S. And, you know, while this also provides jobs and and that's something we're pretty passionate about uh, locally. The other thing is it, it, it you know, eliminates the need uh, for international shipping and it sort of lowers our carbon footprint globally, which we see as an important thing because, you know, frankly, part of why we're in this industry is climate change. Uh 
and water scarcity as a result. And we don't want to be contributing to that, the very problem that we're developing systems to solve. I think these are all really good points. Now, um, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about starting and building the brand uh, up to this point? Yeah, so, you know, um, you could do everything right in life, I find, and you're still going to get failure. Um, you know, there's, I don't think there's anything, um, there's no such thing as a roadmap as an entrepreneur. Uh, as much as you'd like to plan and strategize and, and sort of my uh, diplomatic background was specifically on planning and strategizing uh, and building what's called, you know, these sort of contingency plans for things to go wrong and what do we do then. In business, it, it's not that uh, clear cut and um, you, you sort of have to uh, be prepared for failure and sort of learn to adapt. Um, and I think that's the most important thing an entrepreneur can do. You can increase your likelihood of success by having more contingencies and, and, and learning from your mistakes and being more prepared, but you're never going to eliminate uh, the potential for something catastrophic to happen. Uh, things happen all the time, and it's really how you respond to them or you know, take a level-headed, measured approach and say, okay, um, I got kicked. Good. Uh, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to come back stronger. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to do what it takes. Uh, and I think if you take that attitude, expect that failure is going to happen and, and use it as a learning tool as opposed to something that discourages you, I think you're going to increase your likelihood of success. There's no guarantees, but you'll definitely increase your likelihood of success. Let's talk about sort of the growth over time. You start the business in 2014. It's six years later. What does that growth trajectory look like? Yeah. So, I mean, we started the business with a few SKUs and we grew and we started developing innovations, uh, which is really the fun part. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, we started focusing maybe about by 2016, once we realized that the brand had some legs and that people were really starting to buy into what we were trying to do. Uh, we started really looking at how can we really now innovate uh, beyond what we've already done? What's the future? And um, we are sort of now moving towards not just solving the outdoor industry, but looking at simple methods for people's homes, uh, affordable uh, methods for people that they can basically order online, uh, install in any home system. And, uh, you know, in the next five years, uh, we think that there's a lot in the market that's kind of uh, for the home industry and the outdoor industry that's, that's popular but basic. And we think we can do a better job uh, and really provide uh, a sort of reliable household name uh, that most people in North America will, will turn to knowing that, you know, we sort of have their back, that we, we, we think about all their, um, their needs in the market. And, you know, in the next five years, that's sort of where we want to go to is being a household name in the market. In the next 10 years, um, we'd like to uh, move on from just, um, you know, we give back uh, in charities, but we'd actually like to help develop sustainable solutions for communities. Um, Globally, yes, but also, frankly, where we're based in Canada, there are a lot of um, issues in indigenous communities with with uh, water, 
you know, and we're a fairly developed country, but we have huge, huge problems that are uh, not well addressed. And I'm hoping in 10 years that these uh, won't be problems, but you never know. So, you know, we'd like to be able to develop uh, solutions that, that can be built by local communities and using our tech know-how and some of the stuff we do. So that's our, that's sort of our goal. Uh, you know, in the next couple, uh, I would say in the next five years, we want to build solutions for every place that can afford it while developing solutions for places that can't uh, and really being able to help local communities develop their own solutions, more permanent solutions. I love that. And it, it brings the light to the fact that, like you said earlier in the episode, that water is really um, a very important uh, resource. And there's still plenty of people on this planet that don't have access to clean water. Um, and reminding people in places like the U.S. and Canada that that does exist is an important part um, of building a business like yours, right? Because it's sort of the whole ethos of it, right? Not just for campers and hikers and people who are getting out into the wilderness, you know what I mean? But also showing it sort of on a, on a, on a bigger scale and sort of the more important piece of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if kids go to a school and there's poisonous lead in, in the, in the water systems, uh, you know, from our perspective in countries like Canada, and even countries like the, the United States, uh, where my grandfather grew up, wasn't far from Flint, Michigan, maybe two hours away. And, you know, they have lead poisoning in, in the pipes. We have it actually in Canada, too, in the, uh, in the more economically distressed regions and parts. And it's kind of it's 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 it shouldn't be the case. Uh, you know, so if we can really develop solutions, especially for kids in schools where they can drink the tap water where they can, uh, you know, have access to clean water. Um, you know, that's, that's really something we want to be a part of. For sure. I think that's a really, um, noble, uh, pursuit and sort of ethos. And I'm sure it makes it a lot easier to work on the business, especially when things get tough or you have to do things that you don't always love to do. Right. Knowing that you're sort of working towards something that's sort of bigger, uh, probably helps quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, if you talk to, you know, most of the people on our team, um, there's the enjoyment factor of um, we get a lot of calls from people who tell us, uh, you know, how this product has helped them traveling or provided their family with much needed uh, reassurance uh, or, um, you know, has given them the ability to go out and go camping for a couple of days and really have that enjoyment time with their family or, or travel and things like that. So there's, there's always, there's the, you know, just even the day to day kind of satisfaction that we get, uh, from our customers knowing that what we're doing is, is adding a positive thing to their lives. And, and that's, that's, that's like, I, I know companies say that that's important to them, but, you know, truthfully, it really is important to us. It really helps us, uh, you know, put things into perspective and motivates us to continue to find better solutions. And, you know, we also understand at the same time that like anything we, uh, as a business, there's always going to be people who maybe need these products or can't afford it. And we're trying to find ways to be able to provide them with solutions, uh, more and more. Uh, you know, we've done, obviously the charities and, and the giveaways after hurricanes and after uh, all these kinds of things. But, you know, 
I'd also like to develop sustainable solutions uh, for our business. Like I said, uh, if we could develop sustainable solutions, particularly for local communities, I think that, you know, that would definitely uh, be a, a great thing for our, our business. Uh, it, would, it would produce a, a really good legacy, which, which is, is also very important to us. Yeah, for sure. Just even looking at cases like you said with like Flint, Michigan, it's definitely a problem that exists everywhere, not just, you know, uh, underdeveloped countries. Um, now, I want to ask you for, for someone that is considering starting a business in the outdoor space or really just a business in general, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it comes back to the point of learning to fail. Um, I've noticed that... Um, Maybe because things are there's so much info and there's so much coming at us that people are accustomed to having uh, immediate reward. And um, the thing about business uh, is that uh, some years, some days, things you, you could get really good reward, and but the next year you'll find that things turn bad. Uh, it's there's things ebb and flow in business, and there's no guarantees of anything. So learning to keep your head down, keep focused and learning to fail is really important. The second thing is learning to learn. Uh, And I think this is something that a lot of people don't like to hear, but basically if you have a theory or you believe in something, test it, put it up against other people, ask other people to critique it, uh, keep an open mind. That's really important. You know, um, if we get tunnel vision and I always say that, Like the way I operate, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't even pretend to be. I like to deal with people who are much smarter than me, who could really, I'm not saying manage, manage up, but, but, but who could sort of provide value and show me if I'm, you know, if I get into tunnel vision, um, you know, and, and learn, uh, because I would say that all our new products, everything we've developed was because we learned from others and we learned to listen to people. And I would say learn to listen to your customers. That's really important. And then learn, get the right people around you, even if it's just advice. And be willing to take criticism, which I think is really important. I think all of that is incredibly good advice for someone considering building a business or even that has one, right? Like there's so many lessons to be learned and being humble and realizing that you can be wrong is really important. Um at any stage of a business. Um, and I like the way you sort of applied it to the products that you guys offer with water filtration and sort of using the customers to help you improve over time. Um, now, I want to take a moment to mention that for anyone listening to this episode before June 30th, you can actually enter to win um, a water filtration system from Survivor from Survivor Filter. Uh, just head over to Red Yeti for your chance to win And with that, Mark, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of Survivor Filter. And uh, we're excited to see what you guys do in the future. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.